my name is Annie McLaren. I'm the junior high director here at Lake Avenue Church. And this is Jenna Wright. Jenna, can you tell us what grade you're in? I'm in eighth grade. And where do you go to school? San Gabriel Christian School. There's lots of things that I love about Jenna. First of all, her great taste in clothes. I don't know if you can tell, but we are twins today. Many people after the first service asked me, did you guys plan that? And while I did that in junior high a lot, I'm now 30 and don't do that anymore. Um, But Jenna just has great style. What can I say? Um, Jenna also just has a beautiful spirit. Our scripture today talks about a gentle and quiet spirit. Um, and that being the beauty inside. And Jenna just carries that around with her. Um, so Jenna's going to read along with me the scripture for today. So would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? We're going to be in First Peter 3, 1 through 7. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self and unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy woman of the past who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters, if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning, Lake Avenue. It's an intergenerational service, so I decided I'd dress up for the part. So I'm glad to be here. Amen. Amen. Listen, we've, we've got, um, we, we've got uh, many of our children and our students and our kids in the service. So in honor of them, there's nothing like an uh, uh, intergenerational service that says intergenerational service like a good old-fashioned action song. Um, and when I was growing up, the greatest action song of all times is Father Abraham. So to open us up, we're going to do a rendition of Father Abraham, all right? Uh, And everybody's going to be involved. Everybody. I don't care if you're three or 103, you're going to do the dance of Father Abraham today, all right? Uh, But first, we need to go over a couple of things. Um, I I need to just make sure that the way y'all sing it in California is how I grew up singing in Mississippi, all right? So we're going to do the fast version because even when I was a kid, I thought the song was a little long. Um, So... We're going to do the cut version, so let's make sure we got our rhythms right. It'll go, uh, Father Abraham has many sons, as many sons as Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, head up, head down, turn around, sit down. That's how you remember it? We good? All right. Everybody stand up. Let's try it. Let's try it. Everybody sit up. All right. Now, when we started, full action, all right? So you, when we start, we, we, we're marching when we start. Y'all ready? Let's try it again. Y'all ready? 
All right, let's go. Oh, 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 uh, G, G, please. Key G. Nice, nice, nice. I'm not going to use it. I just always want to ask for it. All right. <laughs> I don't know what key I'll end up in. We're just going to figure it out. All right, here we go. Father Abraham has many sons, has many sons, has Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, head up, head down, turn around, sit down. All right. Good job. <laughs> Some of y'all hadn't worked out that much all week. Y'all like, sit down, praise the Lord. <laughs> Ready to sit down. Father Abraham has many sons and daughters. Uh, has many sons as Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Um, then he gives explicit instruction on what that looks like. He says, right hand. Right arm, left arm, left foot, right foot. In our text today, uh, uh, Peter is saying we're all God's children. We're all seeds of Father Abraham. He says, I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And then he begins to give very uh, specific instructions on how it is that we live in this world. Uh, he gives very uh, detailed instructions on how we live in this world. Our text today, he's specifically talking to wives and then he talks to husbands. Uh, uh, but, but for the sake of our room this morning, we're going to glean from his instruction to the wives and husbands and we're going to pull out of those instructions just some general godly instruction that will help us in our pursuit for godly living. Amen? Y'all with me so far? We're going to glean as he talks to wives and as he talks to husbands, we're going to glean from that some godly instruction that will help us with our godly living. Before we get into our general godly instruction, let me at least deal with the context of this very uh, problematic text. Um, uh, here, here you got, he, he's talking to these wives, but these are wives that are in a very peculiar situation. These are wives whose Whose, whose hearts have been captured by Jesus Christ. Uh, they've received the grace of God. They've received this message of hope that comes from the gospel, and they've surrendered. They've, they've allowed Jesus Christ to come into their life, and they've surrendered to Jesus Christ. However, their husbands have rejected the gospel. Uh, so, so these are wives that have found themselves captured by Jesus, but their husbands, after being offered the gospel, have rejected it. Peter takes time to encourage those women, uh, encourage those women who find themselves in marriages uh, where their spouse uh, isn't saved. And, and, and this morning, in a room this size, I know that there are people who fit in this description. And I hope that this is a moment of inspiration and a hope and a reminder that God hasn't forgotten about you. Because like Peter pauses, we too pause today to encourage you, my dear brother, my dear sister, who find yourself in a situation where you're married and your spouse hasn't accepted Jesus. This is encouragement to you. Uh, this, uh, I, I pray that you leave with hope 
and inspiration as Peter encourages those women. I pray that you will be encouraged today. So, so, so that's the context and that's what's happening in the text. Um, and, and I hope that's encouragement for those that are in it. On, on the other side of marriage, though, I want to talk to those of you who are single. All the single people make some noise. All right, all right. Now, all the single people that are looking to get married make some noise. I want you to know there was a difference in response. There was a difference. I would preach about that, but that's a different Sunday. He that findeth the wife. I'll talk about that later. But to my single brothers and sisters, don't look at this as some type of proof text to give you a pass uh, and allow you some sense of relief as you pursue uh, ungodly relationships. Uh, Let me say that again. Don't use this as a sign of hope to say, oh, well, now I can date someone who's not married. Now I can date someone who's not a believer. Now I can uh, date or marry an unbeliever. No, 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 no. That's not what that's saying. Don't, Don't look at this because this situation, if we had time and if we had the freedom, if we were to invite people up who found themselves in this situation that we see in this text, I'm sure they would tell you this is not something that you want to invite yourself in. Uh, uh, I, I would say to you, if you are a Christian and you are single, you should never, ever date or marry an unbeliever. Wish I had an amen right there. I'll say it again. I said, if you are a Christian and you are single, you should never, ever date or marry an unbeliever. Uh, I, I can hear the testimonies coming back to me saying, oh, but Pastor Tate, Pastor Tate, uh, you don't know my story. I, my, my spouse wasn't saved when we got married, and you'll be amazed. God did this amazing work in our marriage, and God brought everything together, and we're wonderful now. We both love Jesus, and I would say to you, praise God, thank you, Jesus. You should never, ever marry or date an unbeliever. Amen. This, this, this is something, if you found yourself in the situation and the sovereignty of God showed up and provided healing and hope and restoration, praise God. But this is not something that you want to invite yourself into. This is not a hardship that you want to invite yourself into because this, my friends, is hard. We should... Uh, Paul, Paul talks about this idea of being unequally yoked. He talks about this idea. It's a, it's a, it's a picture of two oxen who are plowing fields. Now, the goal of plowing the field is to create these straight lines. Uh, and, and in order to plow the field, they would take these yokes and put them on the oxen, which would tie them down together. It's interesting that Paul would use this as an illustration for marriage. Um, so you all yoked down. Uh, so you put this yoke on you, you know. So if you're going to be yoked down, be yoked down with somebody you like. That's what he's saying. Uh, and, and more importantly, somebody that likes Jesus. Um, he, says, he says the problem is, though, when you take two oxen and they're not balanced and they're not equally balanced, equally yoked, as you pursue to make straight lines, you eventually veer off to the side. And you will look back over and you will see that you've left center and your roles aren't straight. Saying to Christians, if you marry someone that's not yoked with God, if you marry someone that's not equally yoked, you will go through life and you will look back over your life and you will see how you've drifted off center. You'll see that in your pursuit 
to follow in the, the center and the source of your life, you, you drift it off because you've been unequally yoked. God is saying to us, if you are single, seek someone who loves Jesus passionately, who loves Jesus more than they love you. Uh, my wife, uh, I know she loves Jesus way more than she loves me. Uh, because, because there are times when she would give up on me, put me on the couch, and we got a small couch and I'm a big man. <laughs> but because of her love of Jesus, because of who he is in her life, that changes how she treats me. Uh, it changes how she responds to me. It changes how she forgives me and how she extends grace to me. Don't become unequally yoked. Amen? That's the first message. Here's the rest of it. Here, here, here's the general instruction. Three areas uh, of general instruction for all of us as we seek to live godly lives, as we eavesdrop on Peter as he talks to wives. Hear this. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over, here it is, without words by the behavior of their wives. Uh, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Uh, it's the picture here, these women. Peter says, listen, listen, listen. Don't talk so much about the gospel, but live the gospel before them. Because they won't be persuaded by your many words. But, but when you surrender and when you live a pure and holy life before them, your life will speak louder than your words. You hear that? Your life will speak louder than your words. It's like that famous quote, we've all heard it, preach the gospel often, use words when absolutely necessary. He's telling these wives, preach the gospel in your homes when absolutely necessary, use words. Uh, a, a quick study would show, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the exact statistic, but some even say up to 93% of our communication is nonverbal. In other words, you're speaking way before you open your mouth. Your, your, your body language, and who you are, and your emotion. It's like my two-year-old daughter. I, I don't even have to go to school to make this sense, to, for this to make sense. My two-year-old daughter, I don't have to ask her how she feels when I say, no, you can't have candy at 9 a.m. for breakfast. You can't have it. When I look at her and I see her face, I don't have to ask her, now how do you feel about that emotionally? How are you dealing with that? She makes it physically, visibly clear. She drops her head and stomps away and screams. She, she makes it real clear because our actions speak louder than our words. I remember when LaRosa and I, we've been married for almost eight years, about nine years ago, I remember proposing to her. And uh, this was a big night. This was New Year's Eve. Uh, we invited some 400 people to this big party. And I'm telling y'all, this was a night where I, I, I didn't want to hear a no. Uh, I, I needed a yes. As a matter of fact, I wanted a resounding yes. I wanted, I wanted a tear streaming down your face yes. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm not just talking about some little trickle down on the side. No, uh-uh. I want, I want tear. I, I shouldn't say this in church, but I want a little snot bubble on the side. I want... I mean, I want tears. I don't want that tear. I don't want the crying that you can talk through. I want that ugly cry. That <gasps> I, want it. I want that kind of cry. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm sitting here and I got all this invested in this moment. I want this moment. And, and I'm sitting there and I remember talking to La Rosa. 
and just talk. And parenthetically, if you're about to propose to somebody, don't spend too much time on the speech. They're not listening. They're not listening. I'm sitting there talking to LaRosa. LaRosa just kind of looking. And then I pull out that ring. And I open it up and, ah, yeah. Got a little trickle in the eye. That's a, it was a nice ring. It's been eight years. I'm still making payments. Uh, 2015, we're going we to own that ring, baby. It's going to be ours. It's going to be ours. But I remember taking out the ring, and she got a little, little tear. But y'all, when I got down on that knee, it was as if the floodgates of heaven opened up and the tears just came streaming down. It, it, the little snot bubble just kind of just a little bit on the side just peaked just a little bit because, because when I was talking that that said one thing and when I put out the ring that said another but when I went down on my knees that spoke volumes because in my posture I said way more than my words could have ever said I said I'm willing to submit to you I'm willing to bow down before you and humble myself in front of you and all of these people and extend my hand. I love you so much. I want to extend my hand to you and ask for your hand in marriage. And I'm willing to get low. I'm willing to humble myself. I'm willing to sacrifice. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And I'm not saying it with my lips, but I want to show you with my actions. And I bow down on my knees and ask for her hand in marriage. And it spoke volumes. I'm telling you, people that were in the back, that couldn't even hear what I was saying. They was like, what's going on? What's going on? And then all of a sudden, they, he, he got down on his knees. He, got, he proposed and he proposed. Get the camera. Come on, get out the bathroom, girl. He proposing. Because they didn't hear what I was saying, but they could see what I was saying. I guess what I'm trying to get to is people in your community, the world that you live in, your family and your spouse, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know if you speak, they can hear what you're saying. I guess the question that I'm asking you is, can they see what you're saying? This gospel that you preach, this, this worship that you come weekly and gather in. Yeah, we come in and we say a lot of words and we sing a lot of songs and we have a great time. But when we leave this place, can they see Jesus in our posture? Can they see Jesus in how we live? Can the world see our surrender to the heavenly God? Can they see our message? They can go to iTunes and download our message. They can come in and hear our message. They can sit over dinner and hear your message. But can they see the message? On the playground, can they see the message? In the boardroom, can they see the message? In the bedroom, can they see the message? Peter tells the wives, and he tells us today, good godly instruction for godly living. Preach the gospel often. Use words when absolutely necessary. Uh, point two, verse three. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, uh, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry. Parenthetically, can I just pause right here and thank Dr. Waybright for assigning me this text? Um, uh, last week he was down at verse 8. He, he leaves town and gives me this. Uh, I got to talk about women and hair and stuff. Well, it feels like a setup. Um, <laughs> he says here, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your, here it is, inner self, the unfading beauty 
of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. The, the women in their pursuit of, of convincing their husbands uh, of, uh, to, to follow this Jesus, they, they, be, they begin to dress uh, in a luring way. They begin to invest a lot of time in hair, hoping that their clothes and their hair and how they look would motivate their husbands to respond to the gospel. Um, culturally, the last thing I want to do is get into a deal about uh, women getting their hair done or, or, or buying clothes or buying jewelry. It's not about that. It, it's, not about, it's not about you consuming beauty products. Uh, the issue is when beauty products consume you. It's not about buying more shoes or buying more hair, because if you don't have enough, you can just buy some more. Um, it's, it's, It's not about that, but it's about when those things begin to consume you, friends, therein lies the problem. It's like a wedding. When you go to a wedding... Uh, it's, 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 it's all built on everything being absolutely beautiful. The, the flowers have to be perfect and beautiful. The dress have to be, has to be perfect and beautiful. The, the tuxedo has to be beautiful. Got to look good. The cake has to be perfect and beautiful. And everything is set up to be perfect and beautiful. And you invest so much time, so much sweat, so much energy, and so much money. Some people, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars on investing in the wedding. And the question that I always have is, are you investing in the marriage? Or are you so consumed with this look and this facade of beauty, this external adornment, that you're missing the greater value because the wedding should only be an extension of the beauty that lies within in this bond between the husband and the wife? That the the wedding, it should only be an outward expression of this inward sacrificial love that's been surrendered to one another under the grace of God. This wet, the wedding should only be an outward expression of that. But have we become so focused on external things? Because friends, things can be beautiful on the outside, but broken and tattered and stained on the inside. Because you can have a great exterior surface. And you can cover things well. The question is, what are you covering? See, because you can look real good on the outside. Oh, look, he looks so cute. I love the white. I love the red handkerchief. But what's underneath? Peter is saying, God is much more interested in this stuff. The scars. The stains. The ripped places of your soul. The dark places of your heart. He's much more concerned with this thing. And he's saying, invite me in because it is this stuff that I'm after. It is this stuff that I want to invest in. And it is your inside that makes you beautiful. Don't become so consumed with exterior beauty because it is when you invite me in to deal with these places in your life, to the, to the, the most inward places of your soul, it is in this place where I bring healing, restoration, and where the true beauty of God resides. This beauty that lies within is in unfading beauty. It's when you invite me in and allow me to do a work in the hard and dark places of your life. When you say, God, I want intimacy, intimacy, into me, see, see into me all of the places that I've covered for so long and bring healing, restoration, and wholeness. It is in this place where the beauty resides. 
It is in this place where he brings wholeness and healing to where, uh, young, young ladies, you don't have to go to Seventeen magazine and, and desire to be like the person on the cover. You don't have to go to Cosmo and want to be like them. You don't have to look at GQ guys and want to be like them. It is in this place where he brings healing and wholeness and restoration to your soul where you hear the voice of God speaking and saying, be you. Be you, be beautiful, be beautiful because I made you, I designed you, I created you, and I loved you. And most of all, I have saved you and I've created you in my image. So I challenge you, be beautiful because you are beautiful. That's where your beauty lies. Are you consumed with external beauty? See, because God is saying, my glory, my glory, I'll put it inside of you and it'll dwell within in your beauty. The adornment flows from the radiant light that comes from the glory that is within and you will wear the adornment of the glory. You are dressed in the adornment of the glory of God that dwells within. It is the beauty that is within that adorns you externally. Don't spend so much time investing on stuff. Spend time investing on the beauty of your soul and the beauty that is within will shine through. People will look at you and not be consumed with your hair. Your hair is beautiful and it's great and your smile is cute and that's nice and your skin and your eyes, they're all wonderful. But that's not where your beauty comes from. People will say you're beautiful because your attitude is beautiful. Because you're loving and you're kind. Because you're gracious. And, and, And I love it because it doesn't fade. Because friends, your face could be smooth and tight today and wrinkled tomorrow. Even with Botox. Botox to help this little middle part, but you still got the sides that look real funny. And the kids will be saying, what's wrong with grandma's head? (laughs) So don't be deceived, my brothers. And and if you want to go get Botox, God bless you as you go. But don't be deceived in thinking that that's going to stop the fading of the external things. The things of this world will fade away. But the preservation of the soul is kept by the power of the Holy Spirit. And friends... That beauty lasts throughout all eternity. Peter used words when preaching the gospel only when absolutely necessary. Uh, Focus on the inward glory and allow that to be your adornment. And finally, he says to the men in verse 7, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as heirs with you, of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Uh, uh, Just real quickly here, we we talked about slaves a couple of passages ago. Here we're talking about women and being the weaker vessel. During that time, women were powerless in society. But notice what it's saying. It's not giving a pass to perpetuate and continue unjust treatment of slaves or women. It's not dealing with that at all. As a matter of fact, it's saying, in spite of the differences you have, respect and honor. In spite of the differences and in spite of, of how society has set up this dynamic with women, they are your, here it is, joint heirs 
They are your sisters. They ought to be respected and to be honored so much so, I'm so serious about it, that if this doesn't happen and if you don't respect your brothers and sisters, if you don't respect one another, then your prayers will be hindered. Prayers, prayers. Our ability to communicate to God and God communicate back to us this conversation. So prayer equals conversation. Conversation is what builds a relationship. So conversation equals strong relationship. And this strong relationship is now hindered because of my lack of respect for my brother and my sister. Did did, did you get that? Because when you hinder my prayers, you hinder my conversation, and you hinder the strength and the growth and the development of my relationship with God. God says our relationship can't grow if you don't respect one another. Prayers, prayers. It's, it, it's, like, a, it's, like, a, it's like a balloon. When we pray, uh, we, we say our prayers, and it's the image of our prayers, it's the image of our prayers going up to heaven. And they go unhindered. Uninhibited, They go all the way as they reach the top and they're received. That's what our prayer should do. He says, but when you disrespect one another, when you don't love one another, when you don't honor one another, it's as if there's a weight on your prayers. And when you seek to pray, the prayers are hindered. The prayers don't ascend. The prayers... Hindered. You can do this as much as you want, as many times as you want, but this balloon isn't going anywhere because there's a weight on the balloon. And he's saying you can pray as hard as you want, as much as you want, as often as you want. But the prayers are hindered because of the weights, because of your inability to respect and love and care for one another, your inability to extend grace and extend forgiveness, and extend love, even for people that it's hard to love, even for people that you, you find it very hard to respect because they don't even respect themselves. Jesus says we have to love one another, and if we fail to love one another, it hinders our relationship with him. I guess, I guess what I'm trying to ask today is, got any balloons hovering and not going in your life? Got any balloons that aren't floating in your life? Got any relationships where you're withholding forgiveness? You're not extending the grace that God so freely extends to you. On the playground, are you sharing with one another? Lest the adults think that's too simplistic. Adults, are you sharing? Sharing your resources? Sharing your time? Sharing the gospel? Are you respecting and loving your neighbors? Or are you holding grudges, not extending grace, and praying, but not receiving? Many of us, our frustrations with our prayers and our prayer life not meeting our expectation doesn't have anything to do with God's inability to provide, but it has everything to do with your inability to surrender everything. This isn't some punishment. When we, when we hold on to grudges, we, we, we literally tie on the weights that, 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 that hinder our own ability to experience the fullness of the gospel in our lives. Because the fullness of the gospel is not just receiving grace, love, and forgiveness, but the fullness is when we can receive it and then extend it to people who didn't deserve it just like we didn't deserve it. I wish I could get an amen up in here, up in here. So, 
the last of these godly instructions for godly living. Number one, use words only when absolutely necessary, but you preach the gospel often. Number two, invest in the inner glory which shall be your external adornment. And number three, respect and love one another, lest your prayers and your relationship with God be hindered. All these to his glory. Amen. Let's, let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray together. If you're in this room today and you say, Albert, when I look at my life, I've been doing way too much talking. And I've been trying to convince people to hear my life. And today, God, I, I, I'm seeing where I need to show my life. I've been trying to convince people to hear the gospel but today, I want to tell the Lord, I want, to, I want to invite his spirit in to change my posture so that I can show the gospel. Because, Albert, if I was to be honest this morning, I struggle with showing it. But I find it very easy to tell it. If that's you today and you want to invite God in your heart to help you to show the gospel, if this is an area of struggle for you, would you just stand right where you are? Would you just stand right where you are? God, help me to show the gospel. Help me to show the gospel. Amen. 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 Help me to show it. Help me. To sh- I want people to see it in my life. I want people to see it with how I live, with how I give, with how I love. <sighs> Secondly, if you're in this place and when I took off that jacket, you thought immediately, that's my life. I've got so many stains and so many things I'm covering and I tell myself that I'm really covering it from other people, but if I was to be honest this morning, I'm really covering it from myself because it's clear that God sees it. If you're here today and you want to take off the jacket and you want to focus on the internal glory and allow that to be your adornment, if you want to focus on your soul and healing of your soul, healing of the wounds and the scars, and you want to invite Jesus in for some intimacy, into me, see. God, I want you to see into me all the places and bring healing into the places that I've resisted your hand before. If you've got some scars that you've been covering, would you just stand up right where you are? Just stand up right where you are. Right where you are. I want to take off the covers. Stand up right where you are. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah. Just stand up right where you are. Finally, if you if you were to look across your life, look across your family tree, look across your relationships, your community, your relationships, do you have weights on your prayer life? Are there hindrances in your relationship with God due to broken relationships or relationships where you've been respectful or you've intentionally withheld grace? or withheld forgiveness, you intentionally haven't called, you intentionally hadn't reached out, and there are broken relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ in your life, if that's you today, and you want to remove those hindrances from your relationship with Jesus Christ, if that's you today, would you just stand up right where you are? Stand up right where you are. 
you know you've intentionally avoided this. Stand right where you are. Hallelujah. God, I thank you so much because it takes so much strength and courage to stand and to confess. Uh, God, we openly confess to you that we've missed the mark. And we invite your presence and your spirit in and we say, Lord, have your way in our life. Help us not just to be a, a, a voice a voice for this gospel, but help us to show and live out this gospel. Help our lives to be living examples of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ, God. Help us not to focus so much weight on our words, but God, help this gospel to come alive in how we live, how we give, how we talk, how we carry ourselves, how we sacrifice, how we humble ourselves on the job, on the playground, in the classroom, in the boardroom. God, help us to be an image of humility, sacrifice, love, and grace. May that be our life. God, help us to remove the covers and expose the stains Uh, and invite you in to bring healing and wholeness, God. May our beauty never flow from our hair or our clothes or our car or our home or our bank accounts, but may our beauty flow from the glory that dwells within, and may it adorn everything about our lives. May it adorn everything that we do, say, wear, everywhere we go. May we always be covered in your glory because of the glory that dwells within. And God, in order for that to happen, it requires some cleansing, some restoration, some redemption, and today we invite your spirit in and we simply say have your way in the secret places in the hard places in the dark places holy spirit have your way we surrender we give you full access granted no no hiding places no no withholding anything we give everything over to you we invite you in and we say lord have your way the old stuff that we've been holding for years. We invite, we open up the vault, go into history, and God, may our history be covered by his story, your story. May it be covered in grace. God, go and bring redemption to our souls. And finally, God, may that redemption flow, not just in the relationship with you and I vertically, but may it begin to overflow into a horizontal revival where it flows into broken relationships with our brothers and with our sisters places where we've withheld grace, places where we've kept judgments and hold on to grudges. God, please, may this revival overflow into this horizontal place and help our relationships to be restored so that our relationship with you cannot be hindered. We remove the weights. Give us courage and wisdom to make the hard calls, to have the hard conversations. And may we do it drenched in love and grace. Have your way in this place. Have your way in our lives as we receive these godly instructions. In Jesus' name. Every heart said amen. Amen. Amen.